Welcome back to Two Sisters on a TV, the classic TV podcast where we celebrate and remember all things and everything classic TV. Today we're going to take a look back at the life and the legacy and the career of Paul Lind. Unfortunately, you don't really hear about Paul Lind anymore in mainstream society or in the within the mainstream media, but he definitely has not been forgotten. All you have to do is go over to Facebook and TikTok and YouTube, Instagram, and there are pages dedicated to Paul Lind and videos all over YouTube and uh, Facebook groups. So he's still, uh, if you grew up during the time of uh, his, the peak of his popularity, you have not forgotten him. For me personally, just the name, just the sound of the name Paul Lynn, it takes me back to a very happy time in my life because he was definitely all over TV and he was very, very popular in the 70s. And uh, so we're going to take a look back at his life and take a deep dive into just who Paul Lynn was and what he was all about. Paul Lynn was born on the 15th of June, 1926 in Mount Vernon, Ohio. He had five siblings. His father owned and operated a meat market. Now, Paul was a pretty outgoing, you know, really friendly and and pretty much a happy kid. Thing is that he and his family, I guess because his father owned a meat market, he and his family really loved to eat. I mean, they would be having breakfast and they'd already be talking about what they were going to have for dinner. And as a result, Paul put on a lot of weight as a kid. He was pretty obese. And uh, he wanted to try out for band in high school, which he did. But none of the uniforms would fit him. And so he had to basically uh, play the drums. You know, he wrapped the drum around him. He was in the marching band. He'd play the drum because the drum would cover up the fact that he couldn't button up completely button up his uniform. It didn't quite fully fit him, so the drum was able to hide that. But Paul graduated from high school in 1944, and then he attended Northwestern University, and he um, really thrived at Northwestern. He was in all kinds of drama productions, and he really enjoyed his time there. He studied speech and drama. He participated in the school's theatrical productions, several of them. And amongst his classmates were Charlotte Ray and Cloris Leachman. The three of them became very close friends on campus. They were buddies, and according to Cloris Leachman and her biography, autobiography rather, they pretty much ran the school. So their friendship went way, way back. And after his graduation from college in 1948, well, for one thing, when he was in college, he joined uh, Phi Kappa Sigma, and then he graduated in 1948, and then after that, he moved to New York, uh, New York City. Now, his father had trepidation about him pursuing a career in the acting industry and the entertainment business, but once he knew how serious it was to Paul and how much he really wanted to do it, he supported him all the way. He definitely backed him and supported him financially as well as in every other way. Sadly, one of Paul's brothers was killed. And a short time later, his mother and father both died, basically from the stress of his brother's death. I mean, within the course of a matter of months, he had lost one of his brothers and his mother 
and his father. So he experienced a lot of deep, personal, painful loss at a very young age. And when he ended up going to New York, well, it got to the point where he didn't have that financial support that he'd gotten from his father. Uh, So he was really on his own. He was trying to pursue a career and he really struggled. He really, really did struggle a lot financially, but he was determined and he did not want to give up on his dream of being an actor, having an acting career. So he became a stand-up comic while working odd jobs to support himself. Now, he made his debut on Broadway in The New Faces of 1952, along with Eartha Kitt, Robert Clary, Carol Lawrence, and Alice Ghostly. So he, like I said, and I think there's some videos on YouTube that uh, basically show performances uh, that actually you can see that particular uh, film, New Faces of 1952. I think it's on YouTube. Maybe not, but I believe that there are some videos over there of that particular performance that he was at, a particular show that he was in. Now, in 1960, he got his big, big break. Now, for a while there, he had a lot of lean years. I mean, there were periods of time he wasn't working. He became very depressed. He even became suicidal. And he realized he was really in trouble emotionally. So he sought the help of a psychiatrist. And that really helped him to get on his feet and to pull himself out of that deep depression that he was in. It was a very dark period for him. But by 1960, he made his big, big debut on Broadway in the musical Bye Bye Birdie. He portrayed Harry McAfee, and of course, the show was a huge, huge hit. And it was so big that it became a theatrical film released in 1963. Now, according to Paul, he preferred the Broadway version better because he felt that the movie version focused too much on Anne Margaret, who portrayed his daughter in the film. Now, they got along really well. There was no problems between them, anything like that, no beef going on between he and her. But Paul didn't like to be upstaged. And more on that later. He did not like to be upstaged when he was on stage or when he was performing. And he felt that Anne Margaret was just so popular and she was the dominant character in the film that she just took away too much attention from everybody else in the movie. That's why he preferred the Broadway version better. But after the film was released in 1963, of course, it was again a big, big movie. That's when he entered the world of episode television. All of a sudden, you began to see him on TV shows on a regular basis in the 1960s, including The Munsters, Gidget, F Troop, The Patty Duke Show, I Dream of Jeannie, and Bewitched. Now, in Bewitched, in the very first season, remember the episode where Samantha was trying to learn how to drive? Well, Darren had gotten just really tired of the whole thing. He was just really freaking out by trying to teach her how to drive. So they decided to hire a driving instructor for her. Well, Paul Lynn portrayed that driving instructor. His name was Harold Harold. And of course, the episode, hilariously funny. He's sitting next to her in the car and he's got on his motorcycle helmet and he's like really freaking out and really nervous. Well, Elizabeth Montgomery and her husband, Bill Asher, who was the producer of the show as well as the primary director, they really enjoyed Paul Lynn so much. And she and Paul Lynn had such great chemistry on screen. They decided to bring him back in the second season as a recurring character. And of course, that recurring character was her uncle Arthur, Endora's brother. 
Now, doing research for this episode, I was very surprised to find out that he was only in 10 episodes. It seemed like he was in at least about 20, 25, maybe even 30, but he only was in 10 episodes during the eight-year run of the show. And he was in those episodes between the years of 1965 and 1971. Now, of course, he and, like I said, Elizabeth Montgomery, they got along very, very well. They would socialize outside of work. You know, she was kind of private in a way when it came to really socializing with people um, outside of work from the show. But Paul Lynn was an exception. She and Bill Asher and Paul Lynn spent a lot of time together behind the scenes and off the set. They were very, very close. The funny thing about it is that when she was in Samantha mode, Paul was fine with that. He enjoyed being Uncle Arthur and he enjoyed working with her as long as she was Samantha. But if she was Serena in an episode, Paul had a problem with that because he felt that Serena was upstaging him. Serena wore all those really flashy, glamorous clothes. She had the funny lines. She was always kind of one-upping Uncle Arthur. And even Liz Montgomery said herself years later that she could tell there was a difference in how Paulin would behave when she was portraying Samantha as opposed to when she was portraying Serena. He was a little bit impatient and irritated with her when she was in Serena mode. But as long as he was uh, working with her and she was Sam, there were no problems. But he was a really good addition to Bewitched. I mean, he was really funny. And I think I think that, you know, he is still to this day very well known for being Uncle Arthur on Bewitched. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that definitely has been a really big part of his legacy as an actor. And as far as I know, he enjoyed being on the show. He and Nicholas Moorhead, Trey and Dora, did not get along very well, especially in the beginning. They just they just really butted heads. Why that was, I don't really know, but they definitely became more cordial as time went on. But in the beginning, it was pretty rough between the two of them. But he was really terrific as Uncle Arthur, and he was, like I said, a great addition to the show. Again, very surprised to find out he was only in 10 episodes. That's still very shocking. But it was during this period in 1966 that a brand new game show premiered over on NBC called The Hollywood Squares, hosted by Peter Marshall. And this show became pretty popular pretty quickly. Um, it definitely was a different type of a game show. Basically, it was kind of like tic-tac-toe, except you had celebrities in these boxes in the positions of the X's and the O's. And then, of course, you had, you know, a panelist or not panelist, that's not the right word, contestants who would, you know, try to, you know, do each other, you know, win the game, you know, X, O. It was, it was, it was definitely, like I said, straight up tic-tac-toe, except you had celebrities portraying the X's or in the positions, rather, of the X's and the O's. Well, Paul began to appear on Hollywood Squares in 1966, the same year it made its debut. And he pretty much established himself right away as being a very funny comedian. Now, I didn't know this either. Doing uh, research for this episode, I did not know that he did not write his own material for the show. All those funny one-liners that he would do were written for him. They had writers. He had his own writers. And... Um, 
I was very shocked to find that out. I thought that he was the one delivering his own material, writing it himself. But the way that he delivered the material that was written for him was what really made him so popular and that really turned him into a pretty big, big star. Because the way that he would deliver the lines, he had that snarky delivery and he just had a very humorous way about himself that he was so good at his delivery that he became a huge fan favorite on that show. But during the run of Hollywood Squares, he ended up getting his own TV show over on ABC called The Paul Lynn Show. Bewitched ended its run in 1972, about a year earlier than expected. Uh, We did a Bewitched episode, by the way, last year. If you'd like to check it out, I highly recommend doing so. We did a pretty good job on that one, and I really enjoyed doing it. We had a lot of fun researching it and putting it together and doing it. So if you want to check it out, I definitely recommend it. But um, when the show ended... Bill Asher enjoyed working with Paul Lind. You know, they again had a great working relationship as well as a um, relationship outside of work that the Paul Lind show was created for him. It made its debut in the fall of 1972 over on ABC. The Paul Lind show was basically uh, kind of, some people say that it was like all in the family and it kind of was in a way. Paul Lind portrayed um, an uptight lawyer And he had a wife and two daughters, and he had a son-in-law. His eldest daughter was married to a boy named Howie. Howie was very smart. He was very intelligent. He was just really extremely brilliant, but he just did not have a job. He just really was very inept in that way. And it drove Paul crazy, the fact that he had this son-in-law that he was supporting living under his roof. And the guy was so smart and so gifted, but he refused to hold down a job. So that's pretty much what the show was about because, of course, over and all in the family, you had, you know, Archie Bunker and he had a son-in-law as well who was not working. But at least Mike Stavick was in college. Howie was pretty much not doing anything with his time. And so it drove Paul nuts. Now, the Paul Lynn Show, there are episodes over on YouTube. I've been bending them lately. And the show, I think, was pretty funny. Now, for some reason, for me personally, I've always liked seeing Paul Lynn portray a father. It was funny in Bye Bye Birdie. And it's funny in The Paul Lynn Show. It's just funny seeing him in the role, for me, as a father. Now, some people have criticized The Paul Lynn Show, saying, okay, you know, that was a bad idea. Because Paul Lynn was obviously gay. You know, I mean, in Hollywood, it was something that no one really talked about that he was gay, but everybody knew it. I, as a kid, knew Paul Lynn was gay, but I mean, I didn't care about that. I liked him. I thought he was funny. He was one of my favorite entertainers, one of my favorite comedians. I always lit up when I would see him on TV and anything, so I didn't care. But people thought that it was weird for Paul Lynn to be portraying a married man, happily married man, with two kids and a son-in-law, that they should have done the show differently. But I disagree with that because I thought that he was really good in the show. The show was funny. The ratings were not bad. Some have claimed that the ratings were not good. They weren't great. They were not spectacular, but they were not bad. But ABC decided they, they, they all of a sudden came up with one of their brilliant ideas. 
There was another show also on ABC um, that was called Temperatures Rising, starring Cleavon Little and Joan Van Ark. And if you, you know, Google it, you can find out more about it. There is an episode on YouTube. I've only seen one episode over there. You can check it out. It, too, was not doing badly in the ratings either. And I think Bill Asher was also involved with that show, if I'm not mistaken. ABC got the brilliant idea that they should merge the Paul Lynn show and Temperatures Rising. Basically, they decided to cancel the Paul Lynn show and take Paul Lynn and put him over on Temperatures Rising. They got rid of the rest of the cast on Temperatures Rising except for Cleavon Little. They brought in new people for the show and they decided that they wanted Paul Lynn and Cleavon Little to work together. Oh, what a great idea. This show is going to be hysterical. Well, unfortunately, they were hysterically wrong because the show bombed. Which is a shame. Had they left the two shows alone, they probably would have stayed on for a while longer. So Paul lost two TV shows literally in the course of a little over a year. Within the course of like year and a half, two years, he lost two TV shows. So at that point, he was pretty much on Hollywood Squares. Of course, he was doing all kinds of variety shows, The Carol Burnett Show, Sonny and Cher, you know, all that. He was doing talk shows like, you know, The Tonight Show. But he really wanted to be an actor. That was what he went to college for. That was his dream, to be an actor, to be a serious actor. But the thing is, no one was going to take Paul Lynn seriously. No one wanted to see him in a serious part. They want to see him, you know, making making people, you know, making them laugh. So the the serious actor ambition was pretty much not going to be well received by the public. But him being funny, you know, that was what people wanted to see. But he wanted to still act and he wasn't able to do that. So when these two shows both came to an end, it didn't go over very well with him. Got to the point where Paul Lynn was primarily known for Hollywood Squares more than anything else. And it began to take a toll on him in the worst possible way because he began to turn to alcohol. Now, he had begun drinking back like in the 60s or so, you know, maybe even in the 50s. So he didn't start drinking in the 70s, but by the 70s, it had really escalated and it gotten out of control. Paul Lynn had become a full-blown alcoholic and not only had he become a full-blown alcoholic, but he was a very, very vile, vicious, nasty alcoholic. Paul Lynn was a very, very hateful, mean, volatile drunk. He would literally rip a person to shreds verbally when he was drunk. Got to the point where people didn't want anything to do with him. I mean, he was alienating everybody. And it just got worse over time. More on that in a little bit. Now, how did I get into Paul Lynn? How did I discover Paul Lynn? Well, I didn't watch Hollywood Squares as a kid. I didn't watch any NBC daytime programming. Not until the 80s. So I missed Hollywood Squares. I didn't see Hollywood Squares until I was well off into adulthood. I think over on Game Show Network, they were bringing episodes back about probably 20 years ago. And that was when I first got to see it. I was busy watching Match Game over on CBS along with The Price is Right and Family Feud. But, uh, and that's of course all for another time, particularly a discussion about Match Game. That definitely is an episode in the works, I can guarantee you that. But uh, I discovered Paul Lind on Donnie and Marie. 
Donnie, Donnie and Marie made its debut. The TV show, variety show, made its debut in January 1976 over on ABC. The show was filmed in Utah. And they wanted a comedian who wouldn't mind flying to Utah to film the show. And that comedian happened to be Paul. Paul was glad to go to Utah and film the show. And he was on the show on a regular basis. He actually signed a contract to appear on the show regularly. He was a regular. And that's how I discovered Paul Lind. And I thought he was absolutely perfect for the show. He was hilarious and everything he ever did. I loved him to pieces. I thought he was great. And I always look forward to whatever, you know, they'd announce who's going to be on the show. And they'd say, Paul Lynn. My face would light up. My eyes would light up. Oh, Paul Lynn. Really, really, really love that guy. And speaking of 1976, that was when he had his uh, Halloween special over, also on ABC. This is on YouTube. And I'll never forget the very first time that, because uh, this was Kisses, the, 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 the rock band Kiss. This was their first appearance on television. And the scene where Kiss shows up and Paul is seeing Kiss for the first time, that skit, beyond hilarious. Just the way he's looking at Kiss. You know, you know, Kiss, the makeup and, and just the whole getup. The way he looked at them when he first saw them, absolutely. I was in stitches the first time I saw that. It was absolutely hysterical. Because it's typical Paul, you know, Paul Lindsay and Kiss for the first time, it was beyond hilarious. If you haven't seen it, please go to YouTube and check it out. But uh, yeah, and of course he had other specials that he was doing also on ABC mostly. Um, so he was doing other things outside of Hollywood Squares, but he was not acting. And that's what really was getting to him. And he was still primarily known for Hollywood Squares, for being in the center because he was so popular, he became the center square because that way he got called in the most by the contestants and he got the most attention, but it became very smothering for him. And he began to just really, really feel discouraged and just really frustrated with being known basically for being in the center square on a game show. And that's when he really began to act out. And that's when he really began to drink more and more heavily. And the problem was, it began to get him into serious trouble. He was always getting stopped for drunk driving. He was getting into it with the cops for disorderly conduct. And then he had a really nasty incident when he went back to his alma mater, Northwestern, in 1977. He went to a Burger King. He was the grand marshal of the parade that they had there that fall. And he went to a Burger King after everything was all over. And he gets into this really nasty, ugly, racist tirade. Not going to go into what he said. You could easily Google it and check it out. But it was pretty disgusting. And there was a professor in the line at Burger King who was not happy at all about what he said. And this gentleman wrote a letter to the paper, the local paper, as well as I think also the uh, the Northwestern school paper. So word got out about Paul's tirade, and it really, really made him look bad to the point that he actually apologized. Paul nor normally did not apologize for his behavior when he was drunk. But this time he apologized. He said that he was fatigued, he had jet lag, he was drunk. But unfortunately, it didn't really do a lot of good because when Northwestern had a big alumni event three years later in 1980, all of these other uh, alumni from Northwestern who were celebrities, who had become celebrities, all went back for it. They were all invited back. 
Paul is waiting for his invitation, his invite. Oh, he's excited to go back to Northwestern and be a part of the event. And he was waiting and waiting for the invite, but the invite never came because he was not invited back. Northwestern did not go for the tirade that he had made the way he had behaved three years earlier. So he was not invited back. Paul lost his contract with Donnie and Marie. Because, you know, Donnie and Marie, if you remember Donnie and Marie's squeaky clean and all that drunk stuff that he was doing, it didn't fit at all into the show that they had. So he was dropped from Donnie and Marie in 1978. He lost very close personal friends of his. Paul always did have a great circle of friends. He's a very friendly guy. People really liked him. But he was losing those friendships more and more and more because of his alcoholism. And he pretty much lost almost everything because of the fact that he could not stop drinking. And he was just so cruel when he was drunk. By 1979, he had had enough of Hollywood Squares. He felt the show was hampering his career. He felt basically that the show was suffocating him and he was just sick of the whole thing. And so he left the show. And the ratings took a massive nosedive immediately. Paul thought that if he left the show, not only was he sick of it, but he thought if he left the show that he could get some real work. He was supposed to do a film with Richard Pryor, which I would have loved to have seen that. Those two on screen together, those two in a film would have been wonderful, but it never happened. Why? I'm not really sure. I'm sure that his drinking probably had a lot to do with it, not to mention the tirade that he had uh, done at Northwestern. But uh, he didn't get any work, really, after he left Hollywood Squares. He really did not get any work. And uh, so, of course, you know, they were begging him to come back. And he agreed to come back, but he demanded, of course, a few changes. He wanted equal billing with Peter Marshall, which he got. And he also got a huge astronomical amount of money. He got a great big raise. And so he went back for the final season of the show. But after 15 years on NBC, it was canceled in 1981. Of course, Paul also did voiceover work as well. He was Templeton and Charlotte's Web, if you remember. That was released in 1973. He also did a lot of voiceover work from 1969 to 1973. And, uh, you know, back to the Paul Lynn show, that show, although it was up against part of the Carol Burnett show, half of the Carol Burnett show and Adam 12, the ratings, again, were not that bad. I think the show could have lasted for a couple of years, definitely. Um, But Paul... Word has it that Paul was not happy with the scripts. He was always complaining. It was difficult to work with. And maybe that's the reason why the show ended. In addition to ABC and their wonderful idea of merging those two shows. Maybe they merged. This is, again, this has not been confirmed. It's just, you know, my own personal thoughts. Maybe because he, maybe because he was so unhappy on the Paul Lynn show and hated the scripts. Maybe ABC thought that merging the two shows and pairing him with Cleveland Little would have appeased Paul more though how he felt about the scripts over on Temperatures Rising, I don't know. There's not a lot of information about Temperatures Rising online. Um, there's more about more about the Paul Lynn show, but there's not a lot about Temperatures Rising at all. So I don't know how he felt about being on that show, working with Cleveland Little, and I don't know how he felt about any of that. I don't know how Cleveland Little felt working with him. Uh, there are no videos of the two of them together, unfortunately, over on YouTube. There's only an opening. 
an opening, you know, like, like the, the opening to the show, but nothing of them actually on screen together and seeing what their chemistry was like. There are pictures of the two of them on YouTube, but I mean, on Google, but again, we don't know how he felt about temperatures rising, but, um, yeah, Paul, like I said, was out of control with his alcoholism, unfortunately. Um, in the final months of his life, though, about the final eight, nine months of his life, he did get off the bottle because he saw what alcoholism was doing to his life, to his career, to his relationships. It was very destructive for him, and he wanted to reclaim his career. He wanted to reclaim his relationships if he could, those that he could salvage, as so we decided to get off the bottle. Now, in January 1982, Paul was invited to a birthday party, which was a pretty good sign. He's getting invited to parties again. Evidently, he was making some kind of progress because at one point, nobody wanted him coming to their parties because the word was out that, okay, you invite Paul to a party. He's definitely going to show up and he's definitely going to get drunk. He's going to ruin the whole party. So if he's getting invited to parties, well, like I said, that's saying a lot. But Paul didn't show up at the party. And so people who were in attendance, friends of his, began to get concerned. It was not like Paul to not show up for a party. So they went to his house and they looked in the window. They broke in the house. They broke in one of the side doors, I believe. And they found Paul dead. He died in bed at the age of 55 years old of a heart attack. He died on January the 10th in 1982. I remember when Paul Lynn died. I remember hearing about it on the news, of course, because it made headline news. And I remember I was very shocked, very sad. One thing I remember, though, that really is incredulous to me now. I remember saying to myself, oh, I'm so sad that Paul Lynn died. That's so sad that he died. But at least he was old. Now here I am, a few years from 55 myself, and I see just how young he really was. But I think that, uh, you know, because his father was in his 50s when he died, as was his mother, I think that there was a kind of a genetic uh, problem in regard to heart disease within his family that was never diagnosed or never detected. But uh, that was definitely a big, big surprise when he died. Very, very shocking and very, very sad, and he was just way too young. And of course, you can help but wonder what would he have done with his career had he been given the chance to be sober again and having a career. I'm sure he would have definitely bounced back bigger than ever. I know I have no doubts about that. He would have definitely done a lot of really amazing work in the 80s and beyond. But it's unfortunate, unfortunate that we did not get a chance to see that happen. Um, there are a couple of books about Paul Lynn. If you go to Amazon, there's some books available that you can definitely buy if you like. You can go to Google Books and read some excerpts if you prefer. Uh, a girl, I cannot, I think her name is Kathy, but that might be wrong. She was a big, big fan of Paul Lynn. They met in the 70s. They became good friends and she wrote a book about Paul. So her book, definitely recommend hers. There's another book written about Paul as well that really kind of dives deep into his personal life and the issues that he had with alcohol and Hollywood squares and having to hide the fact that he was gay because he was so afraid of that coming out because he knew that if it really came out full fully came out that he was gay that he would have a career 
So that was something he was very afraid of. He was offered parts where he would portray a man who was gay. He turned them all down because he just did not want anyone to put two and two together. And he lose his career entirely. So he was a very, very unhappy man in a lot of ways. He became a very, very wealthy man due to his Hollywood Squares tenure. But he was not happy. And that's very unfortunate. But he definitely brought a lot of happiness to a lot of other people, including me. And it was a thrill to be able to do this episode today to look back at the life of Paul Lynn. Because like I said, every time I watch him or hear his name or see him in anything, I'm, I'm taken back to one of my happy places of being a little kid in the 70s, watching him on TV and being so entertained by him and being so happy to see him. So it was really, like I said, a, an honor and a real pleasure and a thrill to do this episode and to be able to bring it to you today about the life of Paul Lynn, one of my all-time favorite entertainers and comedians. And that'll wrap up this episode of Two Sisters in a TV and our look at the great Paul Lynn. We'll have a brand new episode for you next week, and we look forward to bringing it to you at that time. Please follow us over on Spotify if you have not been doing that uh, already jump on the bandwagon and become a follower and that way you can be in tune to every episode of two sisters and a tv if you have the time give us a review over on apple Podcasts, where we have that five-star rating that we're so happy about and so proud of we love to get your reviews we love it when you follow us we love it when you hit us up on our facebook page and we just love you spending time with us as we bring these episodes to you every week Again, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode and we will see you on the next episode.